and stuff. So I feel like Oakdorf is kind of doing that same thing with that. Yeah. Make their 10% uh, back or whatever they get personally. Just kidding. Yeah. I don't know if they do. That's yeah. a lie. Don't spread that rumor. <laughs> <laughs> or do. I don't care, actually. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. Okay, someone from Desert Book is going to listen to this and they're going to be like, that's Carly, who we gave a lifetime discount to because she worked for us for 10 years. <laughs> Revoke that card. You worked there mom, for 10 okay? years? I think right now, like right at this time, would be my 10 year mark. Not So Peter Priesthood Podcast. This is your host, Jake. Um, I have a couple announcements at the top of the... Even though I usually say ain't shit going on, there's still ain't shit going on, but um, you can reach me at... Uh, my email is notsopeterpriesthood at gmail.com. You can send email, your stories and uh, whatever you want to me. You can send a funny meme, whatever. Um, you can find me on Instagram at notsopeterpriesthood. And also, if you can go on to your wherever you get podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe, especially if you're on Apple, that's how I get found and discovered and how it keeps the podcast going. So um, without that being said, without further ado, I love saying that because it makes me sound smart. Um, my friend Carly is back here on the podcast. She was here at the first episode. So welcome, Carly. How are you? So good. How are you? Good. Welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Talk good to you. hear your beautiful voice. Um, also, I wanted to mention that Carly just graduated with her master's, and I had no fucking clue that she was doing that. So, yeah, I was like, she's like, oh, I just got my master's. I'm like, oh, oh, really? This bitch. I'm like, <laughs> but congratulations, and I'm Thank so you. proud of you. And um, what did you get your master's in? I got it in administration in Arizona. I went to Grand Canyon University, which I did not realize was like a super Christian organization until I went to graduation and they were all singing like praising Jesus and stuff. And I was like, oh, BYUI, not as bad, obviously, because I don't have to live there and stuff. But I was like, and like I texted my principal because she came and watched me graduate. And I was like, I did not realize like how christian this place was and she was like it is their whole thing i was like oh that's not a cactus in the background of their thing it's a cross oh fuck I'm seeing it now <laughs> you're seeing it <laughs> i love that it took the whole well was it all online is that why yeah you, it was all oh. online okay well that makes I mean, sense they mentioned it but i just like, i was like oh it's not that big of a deal it was apparently a big deal to them so it's apparently their their whole thing okay all right it's their thing so, part two, so I'm, you know, even that was like, I was like, oh, too much, too much. Too much BYU-Idaho 2.0, huh? 2.0, what's better, but yes. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, also, fair note, um, I told Carly right before we started recording that I've been drinking rum since, I not, yeah, it's been, I can't remember when I started, but it's been a while, so I'm a little buzzed, so it's great, this is, this is gonna make it more fun, um, to let's see today we are going to go through the lovely general conference from october 
I'm excited, but also not. <laughs> but uh, yeah. to, today I did a thing where, and uh, listeners will probably remember, but um, by the time this p- drops, it'll be like a couple weeks ago. But like the there was a devotional um, and in Kansas, Kansas, I almost said Kansas, uh, in Kansas and Oklahoma. <laughs> and it's, um, the big the takeaway that I took from it was the, so uh, Elder Uchtdorf uh, and his wife spoke and then President Nelson and his, and his wife spoke. And uh, um, so... I was fine. Everything was fine. Like the elder Uto's wife was um, kind of dead eyed and whatever. And she had a cute little German accent, but then she was like, her talk was just kind of like, okay, whatever, do what you're supposed to do, you know? And then um, Uchtdorf was like a little problematic, but he was also like a daddy. So it was fine. You know, like I just kind of like, and then, um, but he also talked about trail of tears. Like it felt very, not good for to me like I was just like oh um, yeah, don't do that yeah and then and, to, and then uh President Nelson's wife talked about um what she talk about she was hers was cringy as fuck but she was just like oh the holy ghost and she talked about Bob this like um this uh hypothetical dude whatever bob had a beard and he went to general conference he listened to general conference and he said and he kept getting this prompting that he needed to shave his beard but he didn't want to shave his beard so he just kept ignoring it and then he finally just trimmed it down to one inch and then uh he went to bed and then the spirit wouldn't let him go and so he um he ended up shaving his beard and he felt better because he obeyed uh did he the ghost, you know, and <laughs> yeah, did he? Yeah, and then there was another thing. Like she continued with that, with like saying like he used to like listen to metal, heavy metal, to like get the bad thoughts out, you know, like to. And I'm like, good for you, Bob. And then, um, and she's like, but the spirit, it was driving away the spirit, and so he didn't, he didn't want to, and it was um, creating. She said, she basically said that it was like creating suicidal thoughts in him. So I was just like. Like the heavy metal music was, I'm just like, um, I don't think that's how it works, but you know, whatever. And then, um, then the really <laughs> Senator Palpatine came up and he uh, talked about his. Um, this is what was really fucked up, and it, during it, I was just like, oh, this isn't super, you know, whatever. Book of Mormon, cool. But then I was just like, I put it in context. Like here he is talking to. So at the beginning. They had talked about um, how they had given a, they had gifted the people of the Native Americans of this. Um, they had given a gift to them at this museum, and then they have re- unveiled the, what the gift was, and it was a family search center at this museum. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like you're gonna let them search their genealogy. And then, and here I am like, but you guys were like, church history is very much like the Book of Mormon itself, like it's erases and doesn't acknowledge the Native American history, you know? And and then it also like Joseph Smith's time and like Brigham Young's time and all that, and like how much they 
how big a role they played in the genocide of the Native Americans. And I'm just like, kind of a slap in the face. And then, um, and then also like, not to mention like, oh, all the Native American children that they put in residential schools and that they put into um, white families to make them whole and delight some white and delight some or whatever. And so um, I said that in quote quotes, but um, then President Nielsen gets up and talks about the Book of Mormon like how true it is and how it's um a a um a book about the native american history and how it's um how true it is and all the stuff and i'm like that is so fucked up that is like yeah like doesn't that just go completely against everything else like we don't want our skin to be dark like theirs yeah exactly and so that's awkward and i don't think it is a history of the no, it's not. I mean, it's, it's bullshit. But it's I bullshit. Mean, but um, it's also not that. <laughs> well, because um, the Book of Mormon claims that the Native American people have uh, Jewish lineage, and so it dis- it totally erases the idea that they were. I mean, the actual factual thing that we know about Native Americans is they were here before Columbus came, and that they were here, even like they were here. They weren't, they were just here. They weren't, they didn't come over from Jerusalem. They were here, like, um, and they, they weren't Jewish. Like, I just, I don't understand how they can, I don't, it just boggles my mind that he would, um, but also I'm not surprised, you know, like, a, I don't know. It's just, it was totally fucked up. And then, um, and honestly, I don't know much enough to like really talk about it, but I just like, I just didn't feel right about it. And then it was kind of fun to like kind of make fun of it throughout the whole thing, but it was like an hour and a half of my life that I probably wasted, but mm. it was still, I mean, it was, it was interesting because I hadn't sat in one of, in a meeting like that in, since I left since well before the military. So I was just like, but I didn't, you know how like, when you're in general conference, especially as like a Molly Mormon or like a Peter Priesthood, where you're just like super into it and you like feel these feelings, you know, when they're talking, you feel very emotional or whatever. And you think those things are the spirit or whatever, you know, because that's yeah. what they, they um, program you. And yeah. you. Mm-hmm. It's the brainwashing. And I, I didn't feel anything. Like I felt, I was more just like, okay, cool. You know, like the music, I used to love the music, like Mormon Tabernacle Choir and stuff. And I felt like I was more just like, this is so just ugh, it's nothing. awful. It's nothing. Like I felt nothing. Right. So. Also, I feel like, I think it's so funny because sometimes we've trained ourselves to like cry and stuff. And I feel like those people are crying for like different reasons that they don't understand. Like maybe, maybe, maybe you actually do feel the spirit power to you. But like, I used, I remember, I don't know if I talked about this last time, like my freaking roommate looking over at me when I was crying in church, she was like, you feel the spirit. And I was like, no, I feel the literal opposite. I feel nothing and I feel horrible. And that's why I'm crying. But automatically when you see people crying in church as an LDS member it's because they are feeling the spirit it's not because of any other reason like that they could be unhappy or disagree with what the person is saying like or I they're like that. overwhelmed with like when I was at BYU Idaho like uh overwhelmed with school and here they are in um church and they're telling them to like do all this stuff you know and like 
you need to be this way, this way, this way, and you do, and then you're like doing schoolwork too, and you have all these like um, engagements, these requirements that you need to uphold, and then, you know, oh, I'm crying because I'm fucking overwhelmed. Like, yeah, I don't and know. I have to go to all these things that you guys are like. I don't think that people realize like how many hours are spent on church things. Like, I remember my dad bringing that up with me one time. Like, three hours because you know for a long time it was three i know it's two now so whatever two Mm -hmm. or three hours on sunday still two hours is a lot there's a lot of churches that are just like one hour and that's it like and they don't ask anything else of you like it's that and your money which is like cool like i would rather give my money than my time which is maybe awful but time is like so valuable so you spend two to three hours there then if you're like one of the higher people right like you could have a meeting before or after so when it was three hours that's five hours of meetings if you had one before and after and then you're Mm -hmm. standing around talking because it's your obligation to listen to these people that are whatever and then on monday you're supposed to do fhe another hour Mm -hmm. and then on tuesday mutual and then Mm -hmm. Wednesday you get a knife off and then on thursday there's relay society shit and then on saturday morning you're supposed to come clean the church like what in the hell like 10 hours a week to this and how much time are you actually spending with your family that you were preaching about okay sorry right. that's the end no that, that's i mean it's exactly right like the um it's a high demand religion and it's high demand not in not only in doctrine but in time and um it's like everything it takes everything out of you and it becomes like they talk about how it's like a it's a lifestyle and so um and it envelops your culture your lifestyle and everything i take i'm taking a human geography class right now and we've talked about um i think i might have mentioned this in another episode i don't know anyway um i felt really dumb because i was like uh one of our assignments was to bring something to class that was like a cultural artifact and i was just like um i don't like I thought about like bringing something from the military, you know, because that's something I highly identify with now, especially like it was a huge part of my identity identity for uh, for seven years, you know, and um, mm-hmm. it's something I actually enjoy and like that I take pride in. Um, but then I was like listening to all these students like talk about like religious stuff and all this, and I was like, maybe I got the assignment wrong. Did I understand the assignment? You know, like, <laughs> and so I I went and I grabbed my scriptures and I was like, oh. I can't believe I'm doing this. And I, I used like these old scriptures that I got those, you know, remember those like tiny ones, the miniature mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, that they gave to people that were in the military. <laughs> yeah. So, and I bought those and I, I inscribed them when I worked at, when I worked at Desert Book and I was, mm-hmm. um, uh, so I, and I still have them. I don't know why, but I, it's a weird um, part of you. I get it. Yeah, yeah. And I presented that and it was like crickets when when I said I was like, I don't really identify with this anymore, but it's part of my culture because like it took up like 30 years of my life. So like I'm it is my background and my family all identifies with it and I still have to deal with it. So it's uh yeah. And they were just kind of like, oh cool, you Mormon, you know, I was like because people don't get it. Exactly. And I had another another conversation with another coworker where um it just kind of came up and I went the fuck off and I was just like, this is what, you know, like laying it all out like, a, and she was not expecting it, but like her jaw was dropping every time I brought anything else up. And I was just like, I'm sorry, you opened a can of worms. Um, but like, she's like, yeah, no, I had no idea any of that was happening. Like I had brought about up about like, uh, the baptism interviews for kids and all this stuff. And 
I don't know. It was just, but you're, like you're right. Like as a, as they they profess to be this worldwide church and that like, uh, but really people know don't know anything about it. They're very secretive, and so it's uh, anyway. That is what people know about it is that they're a secretive. Like when you ask non-members or non-Mormon people, like what they want to know about is the magic underwear. Oh yeah, and the temples. And yes. yeah, because those are the yeah, but the so magic underwear is but it's secret, which is kind of the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's culty. That's that's the issue right there. Like just hey, be open. Carly, it's it's sacred, not secret. Right. right, right, right. <laughs> is, that, is that one of the uh, talk names? I've been I've been like reading a couple as I'm going. Oh yeah, so that's actually a good segue oh. into yeah. There's some. So what we're gonna do? We're gonna start with this one that I've kind of read, and then we're just gonna kind of pick like a couple other ones and kind of just skim through them and kind of give you give you listeners kind of a. A little we're just gonna respond to them anyway so this one is called the need for a church by our favorite oh, um, president <laughs> dallin h elks first counselor in the first presidency all right so i'm gonna skip there's this uh skip his little introduction but there's this one thing okay so it's called the need for a church i don't know if i said that already did i say that already you um, did. you're good all right so he says attendance and activity in a church this goes along with our conversation about how it's a high demand religion um attendance and activity in a church help us become better people and better influences on the lives of others in church we are taught how to apply religious principles we learn from one another a persuasive example is more powerful than a sermon we are strengthened by associating with others of like minds in church attendance and participation our hearts are as the bible says knit together in love that's hilarious Uh, for starters like a persuasive example is more powerful than a sermon okay well don't you guys give right like week like three of them like at least three or four of them a week (laughs) was this whole conference not a sermon did we see any of you actually going and applying those works like were you being good people did we see any of that Ooh, girl, the tea is hi- piping hot with you. Okay. <laughs> crap. Like, if you really want to be the example, then go out. Show us where are you putting your money? Where are you putting those trillions of dollars? Oh, so you know what's funny is uh, so that that a little uh, devotional that I watched today was um, a whole big presentation at the beginning about all the humanitarian aid they're doing, especially with COVID and blah blah blah. And I was just like, <sighs> okay, like. I don't know. I just, it, all I could do was sigh. It was just like, I mean, I'm good. It's good. Like, I don't, I'm not bashing like the humanitarian aid like itself because that's good. Like whatever they can do is good. But like, I feel like it just, it just felt like a, like all a PR stunt, you know, especially in that, um that museum, that gift that they gave to the Native Americans was just like a PR stunt. It wasn't like for any, it's so that they can dispute any um, any claims that they're not doing that they're like racist or like that they're not helping the Native American community. But it's just like we'll just give you this little crumb, and it just I don't know. Anyway, but like you said, like it's just they're not they're he's saying like it's and exactly I love what you said because he was like is 
is this general conference not just a big old fucking sermon? Like, we're just listening to a bunch of sermons. Like, where are you actually giving the example of what you're doing? Right. <sighs> Aside your slide. Your one slide. Yeah. Saying that this is where your money went. Yay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also not even your money. Mm-mm. Sidebar. It's literally all of these people's money. Yeah. Uh, all right. So he goes on. He says, the scriptures God has given Christians in the Bible and in modern revelation clearly teach the need for a church. Both show that Jesus Christ organized a church and completed, contemplated that a church would carry on his work after him. He called 12 apostles and gave them authority and keys to direct it. The Bible teaches that Christ is the head of the church and that, author, that its officers were given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Surely the Bible is clearly on the origin of a church and the need for it now. Some say that attending church meetings is not helping them. Some say I didn't learn anything today or no one was friendly to me or I was offended. Personal disappointments should never keep us from the doctrine of Christ who taught us to serve, not to be served. With this in mind, another member described the focus of his church attendance. Years ago, I changed my attitude about going to church. No longer do I go to church for my sake, but to think of others. I make a point of saying hello to people who sit alone to welcome visitors to volunteer for assignment. In short, I go to church each week with the intent of being active, not passive, and making a positive difference in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm also like, who the fuck said that? And okay. Yeah. um, uh, I don't know. I just. You could go anywhere and have that happen. Like if I went to the grocery store and I was more friendly, I'd have a better experience at the grocery store. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it would be make the grocery store more true. (laughs) <laughs> or more enjoyable. Right. <laughs> I still hate shopping, even if I was nice to everybody. That's true. That's true. And um, and really, like, I don't know. When I go to, I can remember going to like my home ward with my like my family ward. Like they were nice and friendly, but it was just like, it's just part of fake. how it is. It's fake, you know. And they yeah. um. And then there's always, it feels like when you go to church, it, there's like a, I mean, it's fake, but there's also like a, what am I trying to say? There's like a, a give and take kind of thing. Like they want, like people ask questions not out of like genuine yeah. um, understanding of you or like how things are going. They want to know the tea, like that kind it's of a, thing. And it's an assignment. Like, the way that yeah. that sounds made it sound like a chore, not like a, like I wanted to get to know the people of my communion or whatever you call it, congregation, that's the word, mm-hmm. better. And so I went in and I wanted, like, I, I actually listened to their problems. I learned with them. I, I mourned, you know, like the church teaches that too, but instead you're going and like you said, you're listening for tea and you're saying hi to people, which like, I mean, I guess that's great, but go do it somewhere where people really need it. Yeah. Like an old folks home. They're all lonely. Well, and like you said, they have callings for that where um, for listeners that are not, have never been members, a calling is like a an assignment in the church. Um, basically, like you, it's your role in the congregation. Like you'll have teachers and um, whatever. Uh, one of the callings would be like a, a ward missionary or like the door greeters or whatever. So, and I think... This sounds like something that one of the door greeters was probably would say and just be like, oh, well, I decided to take my calling more seriously and be more active and, you know, rather than passive about it, which I'm just like, okay, cool. So you, 
so like the the door greeters hand out the little programs and then they they say hello they greet you you know and uh, i just I don't know. I can't. I just can't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> right. I literally can't even. Can't even. There's no evening. Um, so he says, he quotes President Spencer Kimball. Okay. Church attendance. In a church, we don't just serve alone or by our own choice or at our, our convenience. We usually serve in a team. In service, we find heaven-sent opportunities to rise above the individualism individualism of our age. Church-directed service helps us overcome the personal selfishness that can retard our spiritual growth. That's a horrible word to use for that. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's how culturally unaware. Like, that's a horrible word. You could have used so many other words there. Like stunt or something? They can stunt our spiritual growth or something. Yeah. Okay, give me just one second. Archer needs water, and he's not going to stop whining until I get him. Just, okay. It's fine. I can talk about how I hate that word, and that, like, again, I feel like that word is so outdated, which kind of just shows the problem of the church with these old, old white men who don't know. Like, is there any, like, okay, I got to look up the 12 apostles really fast, because... I am very curious to know if any of them are um, colored. That's not the appropriate way to say that. Like, or if any of them are, if there's diversity in that. I'm going to say yes. Jake, you're amazing. How do you do this by yourself? All right. I talked through that whole thing. Sorry. I just talked about how, like, that using the word retard showed how un- aware they were at the church and how it's like makes it very apparent that they are run by old white dudes and literally none of them are like I know that Uchtdorf is from Germany but they're all white males yeah oh yeah there's um cultured and when I was looking yeah there's there's like sprinkling in some like culture a little bit there here and there but it's just like it's kind of like how they they give like you watch a general conference and like 99% of them are male. And then like you get like two females that speak, you know, two women that speak. And then um, you get, and then you'll have of those males, there's like maybe three or four that aren't white, you know, like, and that's like over how many talks are there? There's like so many talks. So that just shows. And when I was watching that thing today, the devotional, I was looking for color. Like I was literally looking for any minority and there was not a, not a whiff of them, you know, like they had like a um, diversity, diverse, what they call it. It was a choir that was like, it was one of the local choirs from Kansas or Oklahoma or something. And they did have like, there was like a couple native American women that were in there. And then like, um, there might have been some, but those were like the ones I remember. But like everybody else was white. I'm just like, cool, cool. That's, I mean, it's just, it's a fucking white church. <laughs> like it just it is. is. But then they tout themselves as like this inclusive and, and that we're a worldwide church and diverse and everything. Uh, I just, but no, like you said, that's a terrible word to use. Like he's very out of touch, um, and he should have used something else because that's just a problematic word. Like stunt. You thought on that. You thought of that word so fast. Yeah. 
Literally, you can type a type something in Microsoft Word, and it'll give you synonyms. So, like, he could have he could have easily done that himself. But whatever. Uh, so, to me, like these men, they you can't they cannot claim ignorance on any of these things. Like every word that they use is purposeful intentional, intentional yeah that, and that's what they would tell you too also also mm-hmm. i just tried to look up the word retard on my school computer it is a blocked word that's oh. how bad it is yeah okay, I, I mean it's retard synonyms not it's okay tantamount to like the n-word the f like the f word for gay men um like those words is a slur so you should not, even if, even like his context and he is not necessarily towards a, you know, a disabled person, but it's, it's still just like, you could have used a different word. Right. <laughs> uh, um, isn't there, so correct me if I'm wrong, you would know it because you're in the educational system, but the, um, what is, there's like a, term that like even disabled is kind of a little bit problematic like what is it that's the oh like more appropriate term now yeah for i always say special needs but i don't know if that's yeah okay. yeah i feel like that one's um i know that one gets used more at my work where i work with child child protective services so i think that might be but i think there's another one where it's a little more like um un, un- learning disability yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll think about it. Maybe listeners are screaming at me. But um, yeah, let's see. Okay, so we'll go to his. We'll go to his part two. Um, so far, I've spoken about churches generally. Now I address the special reasons for membership, attendance, and participation in the Savior's Restored Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Because <laughs> you can't say Mormons. Can't say the whole name. Yes because we can't have Satan at General Conference. Um, We, of course, affirm that the scriptures, ancient and modern, clearly teach the origin and need for a church directed by and with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm not going to read all that. Um, Another great advantage of the the restored church is that it helps us grow spiritually. Growth means change. In spiritual terms, this means repenting and seeking to draw near to the Lord. In the restored church, we have doctrine, procedures, and inspired helpers to assist us to repent. Their purpose, even in membership councils, is not punishment like the outcome of a criminal court. Church memberships councils lovingly lovingly seek to help us qualify for the mercy and forgiveness made possible through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Um, Church membership councils. I love that name. Isn't it? Isn't that the disciplinary council? Yeah, and it's called the Council of Love now. Like, what, dude? You don't even know your own um, your own terminology anymore. Like, hmm. is that what they call it now? Is the Council of Love? Oh yeah. That yeah, is it's the not biggest joke I've heard. Right. It's ridiculous. Um, no one feels loved after that. No, because it's usually. Uh, oh, I feel so loved. <laughs> you're taking me out of your church. I read that you shared. Sometime we need to do this because I have a whole lot to say about that guy. You shared his like whole story on Instagram about getting excommunicated. He shared. Yeah, it, the, I guess, and you the, put it on there. Mark Osland. Yes. 
the I therapist sobbed. and so former much. seminary teacher. Yes, I yeah. have so much to say about that. Anyways, I mean, you can we can talk about it. I um because it kind of goes with what this is, but I um uh I did. <laughs> Side note, I did message him to see if he would be on my podcast, but hmm, haven't heard back. But I mean, it's not like he's got other things going on or anything. But right, not like he's, <laughs> he's a therapist and like talked about how busy he was. Also, it's probably pretty like I bet a lot. I bet he got a lot of messages after that. Oh, for sure. And he's been on Mormon stories, so he's probably just like, yeah, bombarded. Anyway, a lot, yeah. Um, but the let's see. I did. So there's this. I can't remember who sings it. Hmm, there's this song called. I think it's called Stretch Marks or something. Um, or maybe it's just one of the lyrics in the song that I just heard, where she talks about she's proud of her stretch marks because it's it shows growth. And um, I think that's like stronger than what he's he's right, saying here. It? Yeah, growth means change, and he's um. Which I like that. Growth does mean change. Good job, dude. But like, I don't know. I just, then he's talking about in the restored church, we have doctrines, procedures, and inspired helpers to assist us to, to repent. I just think of like, yeah, but they're not qualified. Like, and then their argument is like, they're qualified through Christ. I'm like, okay, but like, but they're not when, actually you, qualified. when you bring in mental mental health and like, um, you you have an eight year old or like a seven year old coming to you and you're in alone in a room with an older man and it's just a kid and the old man you know like even if he's you know like in his thirties that's too old but like I just and they're not qualified to be talking you know to be asking questions about their anything like any their personal lives like I just and sure there's clergy you know like priestess those questions i don't know I don't, as far as like catholic the um because the my coworker that i was talking to that i went off about the mormon church with she was like oh yeah i used to like confess to the priests all the time as a catholic but then i would just go turn around and go do everything again you know but it was just it would, she's like i never felt um weird because it was never me and alone in a room with him it was like we were i was in my separate room in a little like you've seen it on they're tv boxes. on yeah they're yeah. boxes and so um it never felt inappropriate and because it's not behind a closed door with just one person and they can't also like i don't know like i'm not saying this hat like i'm not saying this does or doesn't happen because it probably does but like they can't touch someone through that, right? Exactly. It's not like they can be all weird and inappropriate and come sit close and put your arm around them. Like there's a yeah. literal wall dividing you. It seems a little less like confrontational and awkward. For sure. Um, uh, you might be able to hear Archer chewing on his bone in the background. So there's that. <laughs> just a little, it's okay. It's just a little it's dog lovey. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has to be involved. It's fine. Um. All right, so he says individual spirituality can seldom provide the motivation and structure for unselfish service. Can we talk about how, like, that phrase, unselfish service? Ugh. Like, what is selfish service? Yeah, like, okay. Um, provided by the res- unselfish service provided by the restored church. Great examples of this are the young men and young women and seniors who put aside their schooling or retirement activities to accept missionary callings. 
They work as missionaries to strangers in unfamiliar places they have not chosen. The same <laughs> because you just like do a little what what is it the throw some darts. Basically, like it's um I feel like it's an Excel spreadsheet that just says like oh we need these people here. <laughs> yeah, like these this many mission many missionaries left from this area. Yeah. These well, new and, ones are coming in. So in my mission, um, there was this. Uh, so I had my this new missionary president, mission president came in, and he basically opened a Haitian-speaking mission there in Florida, which was cool. But like, um, all of a sudden, but it was because okay. So what happened was Haiti had some issues, and so we we got some uh, missionaries from Haiti that just had to they came up to our mission to i don't for while there was unrest in haiti and so they were starting to talk to like haitians that they would meet out in the in the wilds of florida you know and so um they like suddenly my mission president was like seeing that there was success there and so he like he started all of a sudden we started getting all these Haitian missionaries just being called to the mission. And I was like, and he spun it as like, oh, the Lord is, you know, the, it's just opening, you know, like it was just like that he had nothing to do with it. <laughs> and I'm like, um, even when it was, even when I was there, it was just like, I'm pretty sure you asked for it. Like, I'm pretty sure that's how that worked. Yeah. I don't know. Also, can I tell you about, one thing that was fucked up is he um, several things, but the there was a branch that they started that was an all black branch Why? at my in my mission, and okay, this was in your mission was not long enough like enough ago. For I was just gonna say this was in two thousand two, two thousand four, and um, they started an all black branch. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Like it wasn't even like a cultural like all Haitian or all because no. they have like Spanish branches or deaf wards or like there's Samoan wards in Utah or whatever like yeah. Polynesian I guess but like this and is that makes literally... sense because of like language right like I get that it's not a black language no no this was Holy like literally legit segregation like we're just gonna start a branch did you ever go to that ward? No, I was never, because the missionaries that were usually called to that area were black. So it was like. um, So they called black missionaries to other black wards. Love mm -hmm. that. Yep. Yeah. So if you don't think that segregation still happens in the church, it does. So. And that was, yeah, like you said, it was not too long ago. Like that was only 20 years ago. So. No. So people that are like, well, it was back in the 70s. Also still not okay yeah like doesn't doesn't make it any better um i can remember there was a i i loved this investigator i hate that phrase but like i don't know how else to say it but she was um her name was patrice and um i was determined to like because we had like a really special experience at the beginning like um i had knocked on her door and then um, she had had us come back and then I went there with like, with, a one of the board members and we had, I gave her the first discussion or whatever. And it was a very like powerful moment. And, you know, and I, I look back on it even, I don't, I don't know. I think 
she was definitely looking for something, you know, and I, I definitely think um, as problematic as the church is, like there's, I mean, it does provide that, but like um, there, and I think she did see me coming to the door as like a sign. And so, um, but I finally got her to go to church and she was black and I got her to, and I was so excited that she got to the church, but you could tell that she just felt out of place because she was the only black woman in that ward. And yeah, so, feel awkward. Yeah. And it's, um, she said, and I, her response, like after she went to church, she just kind of like fell away. Like she just stopped kind of like being as responsive because I don't, but she was too nice to, yeah. But she was too nice to say, like, leave me alone but like um i eventually left that area and um i heard that she was just kind of she never really responded to the missionaries that took over after but um i i don't know i just i don't blame her at all like at the time i was just like uh really you know upset about it but now i'm just like i don't blame you because of course, because when you walk into a room, like one of the church talks talked about that. I can't remember which one I was like skimming over, but it talks about like going to church and having like-minded ideas. Maybe it was this one even. Like, so of course, if you don't go to like, I think it was, I don't remember which one, doesn't matter. But if you don't go and find like-minded people who are there to be, you know, with you. Oh yeah, it is this one. We are strengthened by our association with others of like minds. Yeah. Yikers. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's um well on like what i do know of like um like african-american cultures it's very rooted in christianity like as far as like when they came over to america like just because it kind of got put into them but the um like the they do have those like all black churches that are, and it's, but they, the way they worship is different, you know, and I think they find comfort. It's just like how gay bars are a safe place for like gay men to go to. It's just like for them, it's a safe place to go to, to worship and to be among other black people. And it's part of their, um, as they, when they were enslaved, it was like uh, religion and um their worship was their only only hope so like right it's all they going, had yeah so only going going to like a all white church would feel totally like intimidating i can i can't even i mean i can't imagine that feeling but i can also but i know i my have a friend that once told me that he would he always every room he goes into he looks for other other black men other you know because it's uh it's a safety net he tries to see what he can and even and if he can't find a black man he tries to find somebody of a different that's not white and um that broke my heart when i heard that i just there was no one for her yeah exactly and um and here i am like i'm just like i don't i can't I can't imagine that feeling. The only time I've ever felt something akin to that is um, like being at like a like a straight bar, like a total straight bar, where it's just like I don't feel like 
if I were to like hit on a guy that I would probably get my, my, I would probably get beat to death, you know, like I just, that's the only time I, but there's no way really to, it's not like I can like scan a room and be like, Oh, there's a gay man. There's a gay man, you know, and feel comfortable with that. Like that's why gay bars are comfortable for me, but like, that's really the only comparison I can make. And I think women feel that way too. I know I've heard that before where women will go into a room and be like, there's just me and a ton of guys. Like I just like, and it's intimidating. Yeah. I would be intimidated if I walked into a room like that too. Like, I'd be like, uh, this seems like, I don't want to be like, it seems, well, yeah, as a woman, I'd be like, Ooh, this is like, I don't feel completely safe here. So like, I wonder if that's kind of how it is. Yeah. I mean, on a certain level. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So he goes on. Okay. Ah. <laughs> you done? Yeah. I was like letting you know something's here. Okay. That's what it is. I think we're good. All right. Let me. Uh, let's see. I'm getting good at editing, so this is oh, great. Oh, good. Yeah. I love that. uh he goes on to say let's see there was this one thing he talks about humanitarian aid which whatever okay cool which i noticed was like i said before in that um that devotional that i went to was a huge thing like they were talking about the humanitarian aid that they do i'm like fuck off also but you don't do it yeah like it has nothing like it's other people again yeah. donating their time. Yeah, sure exactly. You provided you provided these cool yellow vests for these people. <laughs> oh, they got shirts now. They have a picture of right. it right here. Oh I no, they're that. they're vests. Yeah, it's a vest. Yeah. It's that yellow vest. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, great. Like perfect. That's what you spent your money so that these other people who look like they are in another country, right? Like who are also yeah. It looks very country. third world. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, maybe these people are from the And United they States, look like they, they're locals. Yeah, like you said. That's what I think. They look like they're locals donating their time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they could be maybe, you know, making money. Like, why don't we send people over with our trillions of dollars and do humanitarian missions instead of freaking... Yeah, a, a corporation that has $100 billion, but they make people um, use their time and money to uh, provide aid to the their local community. Cool. Right. Money and time that they don't have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. He says, crowning all of this are the authoritative priesthood ordinances necessary for eternity, including the sacrament we receive each Sabbath day. The culminating ordinance of the restored church is the everlasting covenant of marriage, bleh, which makes possible the perpetuation of glorious family relationships. President Russell M. Nelson taught this principle in a memorable way. He said, we cannot wish our way into the presence of God. We are to obey the laws upon which that blessing is predicated. Uh, let's see. One of those laws is to worship in church each Sabbath day. Our worship and application of eternal principles draw us closer to God and magnify our capacity to love. Parley P. Pratt, one of the original apostles of this, this dispensation, I hate that word, described how he felt when the prophet Joseph Smith explained these principles. I felt that God was my heavenly father indeed, that Jesus was my brother, and that the wife of my bosom was an immortal, eternal companion a kind ministering angel given to me as a comfort and a crown of glory forever and ever. In short, I can now love with the spirit and with the understanding also. 
let's see. In closing, I remind all that we do not believe that good can be accomplished only through the church. Independent of a church, we see millions of people supporting and carrying out innumerable good works. Individually, Latter-day Saints participate in many of them. We see these works as the manifestation of the eternal truth that the Spirit giveth life to every man that cometh into the world. Uh, Yeah. Also, I hate that. Like, just so, like, we see millions of people supporting and carrying out innumerable good works. Individually, Latter-day Saints participate in many of them. How many Uh Latter-day Saints are there compared to the rest of the world that are also doing good things? Right. Yeah. I agree. 0.01%. I'm just like, I don't know, I'm throwing in a number, but it's just like a very small, small number. Like, I love how they keep um, perpetuating this idea to the members that they are, that it's such a growing church and that their, their numbers are um, huge and that it's, um, I don't know. I just, oh, like, because I used to think, I I mean, I'm pretty sure you did too, but like, I used to think that the church was like huge, like that everybody, guess. that everybody knew about the church and that everybody was um, like, that it was obviously as part of the, you know, true church, whatever. But like, I used to think that like, yeah, we're, we're a, a force to be reckoned with. But then I, and I always look at like religions of the world and i was like why isn't why aren't mormons on here because i was like if we're so big you know because they're non-existent yeah we're just a little blip on they were just a little blip on the screen you know like and now now there's like numbers leaving in droves so they're losing people that um yeah all right, so, so that was. Even, how do you write billion? Because there are 16 million members of the Church of Jesus Christ, as opposed to 7.7 billion people on the earth. Mm-hmm. So I literally can't even do that math, but it's it's less than one percent. That's all. <laughs> oh, for sure. All right, so we finished with oaks. Fucking Oaks. Uh, which one did you want? Do you want? Well, I'll let you do a little roulette, roulette wheel of which one you want to do next. I don't know. I read a bit, like a little bit of the uh, Uchtdorf one, just because I used to really like him. He oh, so favorite. he he spoke in that devotional. I think I mentioned that. Let's see. We let's, we can we can talk about this. Let's see. His was fine. It was like telling it was... me to sign in. You know, shut up. I don't want to sign in. Not, I, wasn't te- I wasn't telling you to shut up. I was telling the I know. website. Um, I can't find it now. It's like... Oh, Daily oh, Restoration. Daily Restoration. Yeah. yeah. It was, okay. It's so I can remember when I was listening to him talk today, I was just like... I think he gets like a lot more credit for anyway, but like for being like a daddy, which I mean, he's a silver fox. I get it. But... True. Um, I can remember he and Elder Bednar were ordained into the Quorum of the Twelve at the same time, and I always thought Bednar was hotter, but that was maybe just because he was more my type, but, like, I was just like, hmm, and he was younger, you know, I was like, oh, we got fresh blood up there, you know, and I was just like, <laughs> but, I mean, but Ukdorf <laughs> has his, um, his accent, which makes him I much think better. that helps. Yeah, for sure. But I was watching him today, and I was just like, I don't, I don't see it anymore. <laughs> old now? Yeah, he's old, but like, also he's just, I don't know. I just, I don't know what to, I don't know what to think of him because he, he is like, 
probably one of the lesser like problematic ones. ones. Yeah. Yeah. But Which is why his talk isn't that exciting. Like it was I we could pick a different one if you want to. I was like, eh. That's fine. About, like, we can walking in circles and blah blah blah. And like how sometimes we're just walking in circles. The only part that I really didn't like is like down here, like small rudders, large ships. He just talks about how like we can't rely on the testimony of others forever. We must build up our own. And I was like, well, I thought that when we were having a hard time, that that is exactly what the church tells us to do. And yeah. part two is you, Uthor, were always the one that was preaching how God meets you where you are. Mm. I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Little, uh, little, um, what's the word? Uh, like the literal opposite. Contradictory. Yes, yeah. literally contradictory, because I feel like I held on to that a lot when I was, like, really struggling with faith, that idea of God meets you where you are, so then to hear, and he's the one that said it, and so then to read this and see that, I was like, well. Well, I feel like, um, okay, so remember Desert Book, right? So I feel, looking at through this, um, I, for listeners who don't remember, uh Carly and I worked at Desert Book together. That's how we met, um, which is so funny now. Um, <laughs> but like he's, I think of like his, he's like a like the sound bites, you know, like or like the little like those little cute little things with like they just you sell these little quotes on the little plaque and it's something that you can hang in your house, or whatever. And that's what Desert Book banks on but like i feel like a lot of this stuff in this um this one portion of his talk do you want to change the shape of your life change the shape of your day do you want to change your day change this hour change what you think feel and do at this very moment a small rudder can steer a large ship small bricks can become magnificent mansions small seeds can become towering sequoias like i just okay it is (laughs) <laughs> I can see it. Do you remember those really ugly ones, like that hung above the sink? Oh yeah, um, we always like the yes, the Hinkley ones. There was like a Hinkley one, and there was like three quotes, and they were the ugliest colors, and like the writing. We always was, like, put those silver. ones in the in that area because they were the ugliest ones. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Yes, that, that <laughs> quote is gonna go on one of those, and no one's gonna buy it. Maybe people yeah. will buy it, but I mean, maybe. No, they won't. But it's no like a. I know. Well, and like you think of um, like when President Hinckley, he was kind of the big one that started that whole thing. Like he's had those little books of like his quotes and stuff that he they published for like, and I don't know how much of a hand he had in on that, but he was very much about the sound bites, you know, and very, very much about the media. And so like, this is this, you know, stuff that we're saying, you know, and like this is, he was the one that interviewed with, um, what's, it, what's that guy's name? Oh my God. Larry King, Larry yeah, King one Live. Yeah, twenty min- or sixty minutes or whatever. Yeah, sixty minutes and all that stuff. So like he was, he was known. That was his thing. Was like being um, the media, and so I think that's where he started. Like, and why Desert Book, you know, banked on that was, let's start just like banking on these little quotes and stuff. So I feel like Oakdorf is kind of doing that same thing with that. Yeah make their 10% uh, back or whatever they get personally. Just kidding. Yeah. I don't know if they do. That's mm-hmm. a lie. Don't spread that rumor. About <laughs> <laughs> or do. I don't care, actually. Uh, right. Uh, let's see. Someday someone from Desert Book is going to listen to this, and they're going to be like, that's Carly, who we gave a lifetime discount to because she worked <laughs> for us for 10 years. 
<laughs> Revoke that card. I you worked there mom, for 10 okay? years. I think right now, like right at this time would be my 10 year mark. But I think that Ken still has me on the roster because I have like work for him on and off on holidays so I could get that 10 year thing. So I could give uh, it to my mom as the biggest gift for life. Yeah, because she's like a devoted customer. Like, yeah, you knew my woman. mom before you knew me. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, and meeting her was like, like meeting you was like meeting a little version of her. Like, I was just like, wow, there's definitely a family resemblance. Like, there's no mistaking whose daughter you are. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <Definitely done>. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Carla. <laughs> She's probably so sad now. Mm. Oh, sh- sh- you're gorgeous. She'll never know. Um, it's yeah, it's fine. Uh, let's see. What's another one that you want uh, oh, I another one. Let's see. Should we? Let's see. What's our What's our Jeffrey Holland's? I can't remember what his was. He's always like good I for. Know. He's the first Saturday morning. Angering. Possession. Okay. The greatest possession. All right. Should we get into this one? Do you want to read, or do you want me? Sure. To... Okay. Do you want me to start at the beginning, or do you want me to like? Well, you can just like skim I mean, through and. Yeah, it's fine, but um, you can, like, skim through and just, like, um, yeah, I can edit. But... Okay, let's start Let's start at the beginning, because this has a story, so I'm sure the parable is something to teach us. Okay. The scriptures speak of a rich, younger, young ruler who ran to Jesus, knelt at his feet with a genuine sincerity, asked the master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? After reviewing a long list of commandments this fellow had faithfully kept, Jesus told the man to sell his belongings give the proceeds to the poor, take up his cross and follow him. The boldness of this directive caused the young ruler, in spite of his expensive sandals, to get cold feet. And he went away sorrowing because the scripture says he had great possessions. Obviously, this is an importantly cautionary tale about the uses of wealth and the needs of the poor people. But ultimately, it is a story about wholehearted, unreversed devotion to divine responsibility. With or without riches, each of us is to come to Christ with the same uncompromised commitment to his gospel that was expected of this young man. In the vernacular of today's youth, we are to dedicate ourselves all in. See, this is like more of that. Like you have to go to church and spend Mm -hmm. like in the temple. Do you not promise like... I don't know everything about the temple, Avi, but like, do you not promise to give all of your possessions mm-hmm. and time and literally everything yeah. to God? Yep. Yep. Like, That's exactly one when of the is things. It enough? When you're, they suck the soul right out of you. Um, so <laughs> I like how I have his whole thing in spite of his expensive sandals, you know, like I'm just like, okay, so you can't have nice things, but then you look at like uh, these more Mormons in Utah that are like, Take, for example, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Like, there's one that's she is a member, or she she claims to be a member. Anyway, I don't know very much about it. What I do know is from the Not So Molly Mormon podcast when they did an episode on it. But the mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one of the member, one of the she like owns a whiskey distillery or something, and um, but she so. Anyway, she's filthy, filthy rich, and I'm just like, okay, but like, and then there's super rich Mormons. There are like uh, Mitt Romney, super rich Mormon, and uh, in my ward, my home ward, there were millionaires in my home ward that were like stinking rich, and um, but they're like so many. 
Yeah. And it's just like, okay, but so you're you're talking about these this young ruler and like talking down on him like he's like he had great possessions. And oh, it was terrible. And it's an important cautionary tale, and I'm just of wealth and the needs of the poor. And I'm like, so says the man who is in a a hundred billion dollar corporation. Like, fuck the fuck off. Like I don't right, like literally everybody who is like all of the apostles who are here, they all have to be wealthy because supposedly they don't get paid. Like, they get everything paid for, right? But, like, they're independently wealthy also. All yeah. of them. Yeah. And what's her... What Sherry do? I think... I remember one Sherry of... Sherry do. You remember... Um, so, one of our coworkers, she worked at the Temple Store, but she... Um, I remember her talking about Sherry do and how she would wear, like, $1,000 suits, like, those power suits or whatever. And like those like thousands of dollars worth like on her, like, and I'm just like, okay, cool. But then she's talking about like hum- humility and blah, 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 you know? And I'm like, um, practice what you preach, bitch, you know? And just I, that always, that always rubbed me wrong. And it, I think that about rubbed this woman wrong that, um, cause she would just like joke about it. But I think it actually like bothered her. She would never say that, but I think it actually did. Yeah, because it's annoying. Because you can't preach this kind of stuff and then do the kind of things that they do. Sorry. Yeah. There's no apologizing. Oh, I thought you were. <laughs> I thought you were apologizing for what you said. I was like, "There's no apologizing here, Carly. We're no, we're saying no, no. we're." <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, offending people intentionally. Okay. We're yes. People off. <laughs> I'm gonna be upset. Come, come right. I'm not scared. My salvation is not in question anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Isn't that liberating? It's just like. Yes. You know, I don't have to. I don't have this like looming guilt and like this idea that like, oh, I won't make it to the session. Celestial Kingdom if I don't do this and this and this and now I'm like okay you know cool like I don't know all I know all I know is this life and what I know of this life I'm going to live to the fullest and my most most authentic and I'm not going to let some like nobody knows what what happens when we die like Catholics don't know like they have ideas you know and like I'm Maybe I should bring up a Jews don't know, Muslims don't actually know, but like there's like all these religions that have these ideas of what happens when we die, but there's no like proof. Nobody knows. No, so nobody actually knows. Like sure you have those like near death experiences and these like whatever, but they're they're all different. Like I don't and they're not nothing substantiated. So it's not like you can actually say, like, this is what happens when we die. We have no fucking idea. So I'm going to live for today. Eat, yeah. drink, and be merry. <laughs> I know, literally. I don't understand. Oh, yeah, the opposite of what the church teaches. I like how he's like the old man. He's like in the vernacular of today's youth. We are to declare ourselves, <laughs> quote, all in. I'm just like, they don't. I mean, they say that, but I don't think that. No. Also, who are we quoting there? Like <laughs> who? All in a coined term. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start doing that all in i think i'm just like i think that's like a gambling term isn't it, it? Is. is that what we're quoting you can click on that <gasps> too. please tell me it says las vegas it isn't it's the book of mormon also Ew. all in 
It doesn't. So why? Are why is he quoting that? Why is he saying that? Reference? And now, my beloved brother and I would that you should come unto Christ, who is the Holy One of Israel. Blah blah blah. Partake of His salvation and the powers. Come unto Him and offer your whole souls. Oh, it's because offer your whole souls. Like, and All I said in- that jokingly. Like. But they want your whole soul, basically. They just suck the soul out of you. Um, oh shit. It wasn't a joke. Lost. Yeah. <laughs> just reminds me of New Girl. Malin! <laughs> but it, it, that term itself is totally a, a gambling term. Like, yeah, I'm all in. All your coins in. Mm-hmm. That's what they're telling us to do, Jake, obviously. They're telling gambling, us to of course. Gamble. Yeah. I like it. Let's go I to like Vegas. talk a lot more all of a sudden. <laughs> all right let's keep going then yeah in his characteristically memorable pose c.s lewis love this imagines the lord saying to us something like this i don't want your time or your money or your work as much as i just want you that tree you are pruning i don't want to cut it off a branch here and a branch there i want the whole thing And that tooth, I don't want to drill it or crown it or fill it. I want to have it out. In fact, I want you to hand over to me your whole natural self. Bullshit. And I will give you a new (laughs) self instead. Oh, there we go. In fact, I will give you myself. My will shall become your will. Yeah, I'm actually, let's see. I hate that. (laughs) Yeah, that's so gross. Like, it's not even a Holland quote. I just hate that. It's a C.S. Lewis, which they... natural self, but not really, because I want your natural self as a self that I can mold into myself as a, a self that you will give your will to me, self. Okay, so... <laughs> it basically... Um, okay, so I feel... I. When I look at this as a like an English major writer brain, I'm just like, I see all these. What's happening? I'm so sorry. I forgot how loud it is. I was going to open a fund it, but I'm not. I'm not going to do can... it. Keep going. I just got caught like putting their hand in the cookie jar. I'm totally, I'm totally leaving that in. <laughs> Good. So the full authentic me. This is my natural self. I will not be tame. <laughs> um, no, I love it. But so my, um, you can open it. I'll, I can give you time. No, because then I'm going to be sucking on it. It's not going to be a good thing. It was a bad decision. <laughs> I knew it. And <laughs> so all the brackets and these ellipses, I'm just like, what? what the fuck did you cut out of this quote? You know, and like, like it wouldn't make sense even. Yeah. Okay. So I actually did a quick Google of it and I found the quote. So this is the actual quote. Um, and it's from mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, which is a big one by the, everybody loves for some weird reason. Um, it says, give me all of you. I don't want so much of your time, so much of your talents and money and so much of your work. I want you, all of you, I have not come to torment or frustrate the natural man or woman, but to kill it. No half measures will do. I don't want to only prune a branch here and a branch there. Rather, I want the whole tree out. Hand it over to me, the whole outfit, all of your desires, all of your wants and wishes and dreams. Turn them all over to me. Give yourself to me, and I will make of you a new self in my image. Give give me yourself, and in exchange, I will give you myself. My will shall become your will. My heart shall become your heart. 
It sounds a little better that way. Yeah. Like, and I don't know the content, like it's Christianity, but I think that's like, he's, um, I wish I knew more of the context on that one, but I feel like the way he's presenting it here, just he's molding it to his own, um, I don't know. And he's, I, I hate that he's like in his characters, particularly memorable prose, but I'm going to fucking change it all and manipulate it all to like, to what have, to do what I want it to. Yeah. But yeah. like, we love that. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. Can I keep going? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no, I good. agree. I hate that they like manipulated it to like fit their agenda. Mm-hmm. All who speak in this general conference will be, will all be saying one way or another what Christ said to this rich young man. Come unto your savior. Come completely and wholeheartedly to, oh shoot. Okay. Take up your cross. However heavy it is, however heavy it may be, and follow him. They will say this knowing that in the kingdom of God, there can be no halfway measures, no starting and stopping, no turning back. To those who requested permission to bury a deceased parent or to at least say goodbye to other family members, Jesus's reply was demanding and unequivocal. Leave that to others, he said. No man having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. When difficult things are asked for, of us, even things contrary to the longings of our heart, remember that the loyalty we pledge to the cause of Christ is to be the supreme devotion of our lives. Although Isaiah reassures us it is available without money and without price, and it is, we must be prepared using T.S. Eliot's line to have it cost not less than everything. Uh... So we might not. It doesn't come with a price. However, you have to give everything. No price, though. Yeah. Well, and it's so, okay. I'm going to actually look up that quote again, too, because T.S. Eliot, like, I literally just read a poem by him in one of my classes. And, like, he's not somebody that should be quoted by Mormons because, like, he's not necessarily like I don't know why and like why do you have to throw his name in there and say not less than everything like that's like like I don't know I just maybe my I'm just like being a little um analytical on this because I'm just like okay but you've just like like manipulating words of these like authors or whatever but like looking but at again, the to fit your agenda to fit the agenda okay There's so no the, context like you're saying um let's see so his poem that that comes from let's see is tranquility i think let's see no the wasteland the last section of the wasteland um it says quick now here now always a condition of complete simplicity costing not less than everything and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well and the tongues of flame are enfolded into the crown not of fire and the fire and the rose are one which is beautiful i have no idea how to even like dissect that right now but like i'm just but again I'm, shouldn't be quoted in this talk the context is completely different but he's right. He's using it not less than everything, just because, like, but he's making it himself sound like learned and smart. I don't know. I just, and like, I they are know. educated people, but it's not fair to yeah. apply those things here because you are also speaking to people 
sometimes that are not as educated. Yeah. Not saying all members of the church are not educated because that would be rude, but like you're making it like other people aren't going to go fact check this because they don't fact check anything. If they did, they probably wouldn't be listening. So, so he, I did a quick little search on his like background a little bit just to kind of, um, cause I don't know, he does have a bachelor's degree in English. So I get like, but he should know better. Like he's using his quotes in a very manipulative manner and he does have a master's degree in religious education at BYU. Both of his bachelor's and master's were BYU. His bachelor's is in English, master's in BYU in religious education and a PhD in American studies at Yale. So he is, I mean, he's, but like me knowing, like I'm an English major and I, I just, I would be ripped apart if I used a quote like that, the way that he's using it. And so I'm just like, Oh, just because you have a PhD like, okay, you, you should actually know better than that. So anyway, but like, I guess the big point is that he's using it, to to manipulate the the point and that's the point that i'm getting from all this is that it, the um and i love that he calls it the greatest possession it's because it's like uh really the greatest possession you're saying is like basically the souls of the people and the work of your the work that your corporation is on the backs of all these people that um that you're using their time and their energy but then, and you're asking even more of them in this talk. Right. So. Yep. As per usual. Yeah. Um, of course, we all have some habits or flaws or personal history that can keep us from complete spiritual immersion in this work. But God is our father and is exceptionally good at forgiving and forgetting sins that we have forsaken, perhaps because we, for, we give him so much practice in doing so, because there's so much of fuck ups that he has to forgive us so much. In any case, there is divine help for every one of us at any hour we feel to make a change in our behavior. God gave Saul another heart. Ezekiel called on all ancient Israel to cast off her past and make a new heart and new spirit. Alma called for a body change that would cause the soul to expand. And Jesus himself taught that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Clearly, the possibility of change and living at a more elevated level has always been one of the gifts of God to those who seek it. I don't get these things because, like, they're making it sound like being a parent. I don't know. Like, if God is really our father, then forgiving us isn't that big of a deal. Right. Um, So don't act like we get so many chances to forgive us. Well, that's kind of your job as a parent. Exactly. And um, they they tout this um, this idea that God is um, his love is unconditional. But then they turn around and say his love is condi- unconditional on these conditions, <laughs> you know, like with right. these strings attached, you know, as long as you do these things. So there's conditions of his love. And that's not right. Like he either is or he isn't unconditionally loving us as a parent as our godly parent you know as our heavenly father and yeah so he'll take us as we come or he won't right like even if this is all like hypothetically true then we you and i jake we show up to pearly gates whatever the hell and god's like dude you talk some mad shit about me on a podcast and we're like (laughs) (laughs) no worries fam like we still love you because that's what we do right 
Yeah. Well, and also, like, um, I keep thinking of, like, uh, I try to, like, give myself grace for, like, stuff that I... And people, when they do me harm or something, or, like, when they do something wrong, like, um, quote-unquote wrong or something, I'm just, like, they're just doing what they can with the tools that they know how to use, you know? And I just, I think that's, um, it's a, I try to keep that in mind when I like, when I'm in my interactions with people is like, maybe they didn't know how else to respond or maybe they didn't know how else to act or like you and I on this podcast, like, my fucking God, that scared me. Jesus. I think we're good. Okay, perfect. Maybe. Yeah, but like you were saying, like you and I on this podcast, like they'll be like, "Cool, you're doing the best what you had." Yeah, well, and like knowing your knowing our histories and like knowing that we were just like questioning or like that we decided to leave, you know, and like whatever, like, and he would, um, whatever. I, I just he would compare it to like what tools we had at the time, you know, like that's fine. I just, you did what you could with the tools that you had. And I don't know. I just, I, I have no words anymore because <laughs> Archer Agreed. scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> you guys interrupted the thought, but we knew what we were saying. It was a good, yeah. it was a good thought. That's good. Um, Let's see. Friends are present in our present moment, we find all manner of diversions. Oh no, divisions and subdivisions, sets and subsets, digital tribes and political identities with more than enough hostility to go around. Might we ask ourselves if a higher and holier life to use President Russell M. Nelson's phrase is something we could seek? When doing so, we would do well to remember that stunning, stunning period in the Book of Mormon in which people asked and answered that question so affirmatively. And it came to pass that there was no contention among all of the people in the land because of the love of God, which should dwell in the hearts of the people. Maybe it was because of the love they had for each other instead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, these people that didn't actually exist, but, you know, it's fine. <laughs> right. But I'm just guessing, like, if there no, was a place you. where there was no. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. But, like. <laughs> I don't think it's because they all believed in a higher power that put fear in them. I think. No. <laughs> Whatever. Um, no envyings, blah, blah, blah. Do we need to read all that part? No, no, no. Basically, there was just no contentions. Yeah. And they were very blessed. This was the, the time in the Book of Mormon when everything was happy and it was beautiful roses okay. and rainbows. And yeah. There's only once. This was it. I think it's in yeah. third Nephi or something. Yeah. And was that when the Lamanites became like lighter skinned or something? I can't remember what that was. That Probably. really, anyway, I can't remember. But I have a book <sighs> in here. I could pull it out because I kept one at school when I first started working because I was like, I'll read the book more for 30 minutes and that would give me motivation to lesson plan. It never did. It never did. Wow. I did it twice. It never, <laughs> never did. 30 minutes with no, <laughs> <Twice>. nothing. <laughs> that sounds like something I would, because I used to like be like, 
I used to write in a journal for like two days, two nights. Like I'd be like, "Ooh, I wrote, I wrote in my journal," and then like it would just like suddenly, and I felt like so cool. Like I'm like, I wrote in my journal, even though nothing happened. I wrote in my journal, just like the right. prophet told us to, you know. And I just felt so cool about that because I was like, "Ooh, I'm doing something right." And like, or I'd be reading the scriptures for like a week and all in a row, and I'd be like, "Oh, I'm doing it right. I'm doing the thing." And then, um, and then I would just like suddenly just slowly I stop and then I'd be like oh I'm gonna beat myself up over this for the next six months and then I'll start doing it again right like let me feel shitty about myself (laughs) yeah that's like how fun is that to like do the thing you're supposed to and then feel terrible like cool yeah I always hope someone would like walk in on me reading my book and be like what's that because you know my first time out of Idaho like being an adult somewhere in the world oh so you want a missionary work yeah yep oh yeah killing two birds one stone didn't work (laughs) <laughs> I also would have been embarrassed if someone had come in. I would have been like, eh. anyway. <laughs> so the um, what was I? I think it was President Nielsen's wife. Um, that was. So I didn't even know her. I don't even know her first name. I just know her as really. Wendy. I don't, Wendy. Okay. Um, Wendy Watson Nelson, I think, is her name. Oh, um, but she like her whole talk like at that devotional like she just turned it around to be like missionary work go do missionary work and like Ugh. like all I feel like all of them kind of did that and I think that uh sister Ugdorf also her her main point was missionary work and like uh don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ and all this stuff and stand up for what you believe and that um which was okay but I was just like I don't know I even said in my little no, you're you're good. Um, oh, just because, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> say it. You, you said you said little sister. Uh, what were you gonna say? No, her. Um, I said in my little uh, Instagram story was the that her talk could have been an email, which I felt bad about saying, but I was just like, <laughs> it really didn't have any point other than like missionary work. I, you know, I was just like. I was a girl in Germany and people thought I was weird because I was Mormon and then I, and I was ashamed of it, but then I became unashamed of it. And then I started talking about it and I helped other people and blah, blah, blah. And then it was just like, you should do what I did and not be ashamed basically is what it was. I was just like, summed it up in two sentences, you know, I just. (laughs) Right. Like it literally could have just been sent out real quick. Yep. (laughs) I hate that. Yeah nothing worse than we see an hour and a half on something that could have been an email right um anyways goes on to say what is the key to this breakthrough in contended happy living it is embedded there in the text in one sentence the love of god did dwell in the hearts of the people mm-hmm. when love of god sets the tone for our own lives for our own relationships to each other and ultimately for our feelings of all humankind then old distractions limiting labels and artificial divisions begin to pass away and peace increases that is it does limiting labels right like right. good that is you mm, contradictory awkward. <laughs> right though Let's see. Limiting labels is, yeah. Yeah, Um, like, like, don't you guys do that? Isn't that kind of the problem? Like, oh, you're homosexual? Well, sorry, you don't pass our little temple test. Labeled. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Label. Oh, you're not a virgin? Label. Label. 
Oh, you're um, you're black label. Oh, you're Native American label. Like, like the church is what's so good at. You have a tattoo, another label. Oh, you have two mm-hmm. piercings, another label. Like, so many things that are labels. Mhm. Artificial divisions. Yeah. Um. Yep. Those things that he's yeah, totally contradictory. So, anyways, I'm just and he also talks about that people had taken on just one transcendent identity, which I'm just like, I mean, I guess you you guys are kind of living up to that because you go to Utah and you all look the fucking same. So, so I guess that's just following the Book of Mormon. We're all yeah. good men. Yeah, uh, they're doing they're doing the thing. Of course, we're speaking of the great, the first great commandment given to the human faith to love God wholeheartedly. It's getting just worse. The love of, sorry, I skipped like a little bit. This love of God is our first great commandment in the universe, but not not to love each other or not kill. But the first great truth <laughs> is that God loves us exactly the way, wholeheartedly, without reservation or compromise, with all of his heart, mind, mind, and strength. And when those majestic forces from his heart and ours meet without restraint, there is, there is a veritable explosion of spiritual moral power the then fuck? as who's this? Oh, another quote. Who is this? Tilhard D. Chardon? Yeah, I have no idea. I'm gonna look it up though. Tilhard wrote for the second time in the history of the world, man will have discovered fire. That's definitely taken out of context. I am Let's... so curious what that quote is actually about. Let's see. Um scientific. Let's see what does he say he says for the second time in the history of the world man will have discovered fire yeah. so his quote let's see i don't know who he is guys someday after mastering the winds the waves the tides and gravity we shall harness for god the energies of love and then for a second time in the history of the world man will have discovered fire so i guess that one isn't but that's, that i don't know who one. yeah let me see who this dude is though i have He's a French priest. And he's a scientist, a paleontologist, a theologian, and philosopher and teacher. So he's a and he has a Darwinian outlook. So totally exactly like opposite of what the church teaches. Like, um, let's see. So he's a French Jesuit priest, scientist, paleontologist, theologian, philosopher, and teacher. He was Dar- Darwinian in outlook and the author of several influential theological and philosophical books. Uh, he conceived the vitalist idea of the Omega Point. I don't know what that is. With Vladimir Vernadsky, he developed the con- concept of the no, no, Noosphere, which is a philosophical concept developed and popularized. Um, the, he defined the Noosphere as the new state of the biosphere. Um, I'm trying to see. There was something about vitalist. I wanted to see what this omega point. The omega point is a supposed future when everything in the universe spirals toward a final point of unification. The term was invented by Teilhard, however you say it, Teilhard de Chardin. Uh, let's see. But I, this guy's a priest, but a scientist. So he's like, and he believes in evolution. So like, not exactly what the church would be believing in. Exactly. But yet you're going to, he talks about creative evolution by Henry Bergson, 
the, about which he wrote that the only effect that the brilliant book had upon me was to provide fuel at the just the right moment very briefly for a fire that was already consuming my heart and mind. Um, this paleontology stuff, let's see, he was studying the mammals of the middle tertiary period. Later, he studied elsewhere in Europe. He formed part of the digging team with uh, these guys. Let's see. After the discovery of the fragments of the fraudulent Piltdown Man, somehow just suggested he participated in the hoax. There was a hoax that he, uh, a specialist in the Neanderthal studies, who as early as 1915 had recognized the non hominid origins of the Piltdown finds, gradually guided Tillhard towards human paleontology. And I've taken like an anthropology, a human, a biological anthropology class, and um, it was so fascinating. But like, just because like all my background, like we don't, you go to Utah schools and they don't teach you that shit. Like, no. And if they do, they barely like they touch on it a little bit, but they don't like actually teach you about um, evolution and actually what it means. So, um, and it's evolution also is not a, it's no longer, it's a theory. Like, no, it's a, what's the, it's not a hypothesis anymore. It's a theory. It is a tested, tried and true. Like it has been proven time over time that it is an actual thing that scientific fact it is. Um, it's no, it's not a, it's not some thing that can be refuted. So the fact that he's quoted that guy, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's a, a priest, but like, and that's a beautiful quote really, but like, I don't know. I'm not saying he shouldn't quote people that he doesn't, but like, again, he's manipulating it, but he's also making it like, if you just, if the members would just like, look up who this person is, they'd be like, well, why is he quoting that guy? Like, you don't believe any of this stuff. Yeah. Shouldn't we be, shouldn't we be like, quoting people that believe what we believe, you know? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. That would make the most sense. Yeah. Um, last paragraph, I do believe. Here we go. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we will succeed where the rich, that rich young man failed, that we will take up the cross of Christ, however demanding it may be, regardless of the issue and regardless of the cost. I bear witness that when we pledge to follow him, the path will one way or another pass by way of a crown of thorns and a stark roman's cross no matter how wealthy or our young ruler was he wasn't wealthy enough to buy his way out of a rendezvous (laughs) with those i was like that's a weird one see good reading teacher skills here (laughs) neither can we for the blessing of receiving the greatest of all possessions the gift of eternal life is little enough is little enough that we are asked to stay in the cor- on the course in following the high priest of our profession, our day star advocate and king. I testify with obscure Amalekai of old that each of us is to offer our whole souls as an offering unto him. Of such determined, steadfast devotion we sing. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy holy redeeming, oh, mount of thy redeeming love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Good plug for the music there. Yep. I do like that song though. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Um but he's basically taking it full circle and being like, Yeah, we want our offer your whole souls as an offering unto us, unto Christ, you know, but like he's really just like 
he's twisting it in a way that it's about Christ, but he's also saying like, essentially because he's talked about like the aid and like all this stuff, like he's talking about the, um, like basically give us everything, like give us the clothing off your backs, give us um, your, your great possessions and the things that you love and um, that you cherish in this world don't, don't mean anything, but that you just, um, you have the gift of eternal life. If you, if you just give everything to the church, just, just everything, just everything. It's fine. Just a little bit of everything will probably be enough, which is disgusting. It's really disgusting. Like we, some people, like I think of members that are like in Africa or like these third world countries that are like walking hundreds of miles to go to, um, go to a temple or they're walking like, I don't know, 20 or 30 miles to go to the, go to church every Sunday and like, and then they give their little, their tithing as much that they worked for like a month to save up to give to the church. And then, and, um, and they can barely afford that. And then yet, and they can barely afford to eat. And then they're, you know, and he's still, he's, they still just, this is continually repeated over the pulpit, especially over general, general conference of, give us everything, give us all, you know, do the, you know, you'll be blessed. And it's a, I mean, it's a definite like Christian belief too, but it's also, it's very prevalent in the Mormon church that they just want everything. And like we talked about at the top where it's just like um, the church is very much about, it's a 24 hour obligation. It's um, you have throughout the week, you have, all these things that you're constantly doing and you're um, you're constantly um, asked, like you don't really have any free time. Your time is devoted to the church. Your, your free time is the church. And like when you and I were uh, working at Desert Book, it was, I've talked about it before. It was just like you're um, entrenched and you're inundated with the church. Like you go to school and it's the church. You go to work, it's the church. And you go... You go back to you go back to your apartment at BYU Idaho, and it's the church, like because you have quotes in the at pictures, like, and, pictures everything. and everything. Your roommates are talking about it. Your everything, like it's just bombarded. It's everything. Yeah, it's your whole life. Yeah. Which reminds me of like that song in the um, what's it called? You know the movie, The Greatest Showman. It's like. I'm not going to sing it because the never enough song uh, yeah. like TikTok of like the church being like asking uh, yeah. something and then like showing someone doing something and be like, never enough. Oh my God, that would be perfect. <laughs> oh, be funny. We should make one. Yeah. You can put back on your missionary tie and everything. We'll take a like, little video and it's like, never enough and then like just back and forth like literally all of your money and everything and it's like no uh maybe i'll do that for this episode do it i think that'd be so funny i will help you i love making some tiktokies yeah i know do you have a not so I lo- peter priesthood tiktokie i'm thought about making one so oh, maybe a- yes I will help you yes. make, just give me the login and we can like both edit it that would be so funny oh, perfect Lordy. yes uh, all right. Do we want to do what? How long, how long have we been? I guess that's enough. Yeah. Have we had enough of that? I don't know. 
this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've had enough I'm of it. Done. I don't even I'm know glad. who to who I else I would pick. I would I would just like ugh, I feel I feel like we got the big the biggins. We didn't talk we didn't we didn't hit up Russell M. Nelson, but it's fine. I've had enough of him today, so Yeah, we can I mean there's so many talks we could do we could do on a week and then I could probably tell my mom that I actually read the talk. She'd be so <laughs> just kidding but that was a little annoying like she I love my mother okay but she like texted me on conference like Saturday or Sunday I think it was Saturday but she was like I know church isn't really your thing anymore but proceeds (laughs) to tell me that she's sending me like a conference packet which I know comes from like the deepest place of love and that she's probably so heartbroken that I'm inactive but I was just like, instead of doing that whole awkward thing of like, I know you don't like this, but I'm sending it to you anyways. Can we just be like, I love you. Call it a day. Yeah. Or like, just not even bring it up. (laughs) Not say anything. Yeah. Like, just like literally text me and tell me how much she loves me and not say anything about the church. Yeah. And And that's exactly it. Like, there should never be, when you say I love you, there should never be a but. No, no time. And I think that's a huge thing with the church is the um there's like a an underlying like message that they God loves you, but Only we love you. you what he wants. But yeah, exactly. Make you follow the commandments and fit our cookie cutter mold and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. Yep. There's always that big bud at the end, which is usually a good thing but not in this case <laughs> nope. no no good big butts here yeah only bad, bad, butts. bad. they do like big butts and they cannot lie but not the <laughs> you other brothers can deny <laughs> some of them i guess can't they're probably trapped in this See, and uh, somebody there was a there was an Instagram, an Exmo Instagram. I think it was Outer Dankness. I'm giving a shout out, but the um, they do like a, a general conference, like um, down like a re like a on their Instagram story. They usually do like a whole like rundown of what happened, and it's hilarious, and they do a great job, and um. One of the things that they, man, I think I lost my point with like trying to figure out what what were we talking about before that? Um, the fucking rum. big butts, big butts, big butts. What was the? God and they, I said like the brother and they can not lie. Some of them were probably trapped in it. Mm. Oh yeah, so about. they they had talked about like Elder Uchtdorf, how they think that he. Thank you for reminding me. I can edit that out or I can keep it in because yeah, whatever. Um. But they talked about how they like Elder Uchtdorf because, and they think that he just is like going with it, you know, like, which is okay. I mean, is it okay that he's? Like we've all been there a little bit. Like it's bad. Yeah, yeah. It's just that like that he's so far into it that he can't really get out of it, and he's just kind of like going with it at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's kind of the vibe they they were saying that they get from him and i could see that when i was talking here seeing him talk today i was just like i could see that i could see that he's, he's always just... been the most loving and like yeah i don't know so that was fun we can um yeah we'll definitely 
we have ideas already about what we're going to do in future podcasts, future episodes. Um, we'll definitely have Carly back. Thank you for joining me. It was lovely to catch up with you, as always. You're one of my favorite people. You know that. Mm, thank you. You're one of my favorite, naturally. <laughs> um, Bam. Thank you, listeners, for sticking with us through the uh, general conference stuff that we, well, I don't know if we had to do it, but it was, it was just good to see what the church is talking about, like what the leaders are, what that bullshit they're saying, they're feeding the members. Um, and I'll catch y'all later.